Hello, this is the Fight Back podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Very. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Before you get into today's episode, I have a really important favor to ask you. So you know how we've worked out that martial arts seem to be able to save lives? Well, I want to work out how we can do that on a global scale. So I'm hosting an international conference to uncover what is best practice for trauma-informed martial arts so that we can create an evidence-based therapeutic tool. After this conference, I'm going to be able to take this document to government, lobby for funding, and create training programs to upskill more people as trauma-informed martial arts instructors. This is going to mean that trauma-informed martial arts become accessible around the world to those who need them most. It's really, really important work that I'm doing, and you can help. So please pause this episode, jump into the show notes and check out the GoFundMe page that I've linked. If you can donate, that is amazing. If you're unable to donate, please share the page to your social media. Both of those things really, really help the cause and you could save someone's life by gifting them the gift of martial arts. Okay, so I'll see you back here in a minute. Go do that and then we'll get into today's episode. Everyone, welcome to the Fight Back podcast. I am here today with Neil and Sid, who are clinical psychologists based in England. They are the founders of a program called Fierce Compassion. Um, Neil, Sid, one at a time. Let's go Sid first. Can you introduce yourselves in a bit more detail than that? And yeah, tell us about yourself. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm Sid Hiskey. I'm a, a clinical psychologist, as you've said. Um, long time interest in martial arts. Uh, so I started with uh, karate many years ago and then uh, had a period of just self-training really for some while. And then I found Wing Chun Kung Fu, studied that for a long time, uh, then moved into a hybrid system. Um, and now it's Fierce Compassion Martial Arts with Neil. So yeah, that's me. Neil? Hi everyone. Yes, I'm Neil. I'm a clinical psychologist too. And like Sid, have a long uh, interest in history and martial arts. So I started to train in traditional Taekwondo when I was a, a very young boy um, and uh, practiced that for quite a period of time um, before coming away from it and then rediscovering it much later in my life. Um, and, yeah, doing lots of self-training at the moment, but with the intention of going back to some uh, formal clubs and, and maybe going, going to do some Aikido as well. So, yeah, really, really just loving coming back to the martial arts and um, creating this system that Sid and I have been developing over the last couple of years, Fierce Compassion Martial Arts. Um, Yeah, let's talk about that. Neil, what is Fierce Compassion? So Fierce Compassion uh, Martial Arts was born out of uh, sort of many discussions Sid and I had over the years, uh, particularly from when we first met uh, a conference was it was it at a bar Sid or was it over breakfast I can't remember now but it was a bar. <laughs> Probably yeah. I knew it was going to be a bar <laughs> um 
and we 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 very quickly um got into a conversation how we we felt that the martial arts had made us not only better people but also better psychotherapists um so uh, we started a, a conversation way back then about how we might be able to harness that um for other therapists um to become more compassionate in the therapy space um under the strong belief and tied to lots of research that we've looked into and are doing that that makes us much more compassionate and compassionately responsive therapists so that's a little bit of a flavor about this system Sid did you want to add anything to that um only to say yeah just to echo what you said it was born out of some really informal conversations which was great we just kept coming back to the same theme every now every time we'd meet it would come up back up again um, and especially around the idea of how therapists are trained uh, in the body, if you like, to deal with client anger. So we're very good at dealing with some forms of distress, I think, fear and sadness. But when it comes to client anger and how you respond to that in the room as well, it felt like a lot of the training was very, very intellectual, but not really that embodied. We felt that the link into martial arts allowed us to sit with and be with those kind of experiences in a much, much more therapeutic and probably effective way. So putting those together and then our interest in research as well, the fierce compassion martial arts agenda, if you like, began to formalise over the last probably two or three years. So, yeah, that's all I'd add to this at the moment. How does that work then? So a lot of people are probably thinking compassion, martial arts, especially if you're not a martial artist, you might not instantly make the click. But even if you are a martial artist, they maybe don't seem on the surface like they go hand in hand. How do they work together? What are those links? Ooh, where to go with this? This is a big one. Folks, because, How long have you yeah, got? <laughs> yeah, the, the term itself, fierce compassion, is a really interesting one because you're right. Typically, compassion's associated with softness, yielding, um, kindness, soothing, what we would think of as down-regulating or, or calming a nervous system in the way that a mother might do to a child, that kind of thing. And, of course, compassion features all of those elements. So a sensitivity to, to what's going on in terms of causing somebody to suffer. But we also know compassion's involved in protection as well, um, sometimes being strident. And there are lots of uh, different terms that have been used for that side of it over the years. And I think the one that we favoured the most is this idea of a fierceness, uh, uh, an embodiment of um, indignation in a way. Not quite anger as such, but the the strength that comes with having uh, the ability to say no, to reduce and halt suffering rather than just soothe almost in the aftermath of that. So fierce compassion for us um, seemed to be almost a no brainer. It seemed to be embedded in the martial arts all the way through, but not something that's ever been talked about in terms of psychology and, and therapy space, I think. Neil? And certainly from a therapy perspective. Um, so Sid and I are, are uh, very passionate about and practice uh, compassion focused therapy as part of our practice. Um, so if, if you're interested, anyone listening to the podcast and checking out CFT, there's the Compassion of Mind website that will give you a bit of a flavour of what CFT is about. Um, but it's also on our Fears Compassion Martial Arts website. There's a nice little section that just summarises what CFT is. But certainly from that perspective, um, it, it talks about compassion as an evolved motive. So it's a, it's a motivation that, that turns us towards suffering to engage with it and to wisely respond to it. So 
really the centrality of compassion from that perspective is about courage. So it's the courage to turn towards and stay engaged with suffering without becoming overwhelmed or overwhelmingly distressed by it and to take some wise action to halt it, prevent it, alleviate it. So it's it's really how do we embody and call up that compassionate courage uh, to, to take that wise action to alleviate suffering? And and that's where martial arts provides us something that, that and there's lots of stuff that help uh, stimulate that in us, that motivation. But we're, we're very keen on this idea that martial arts really is a radically embodied compassion practice. So there's, there's not many other arenas where you can stay engaged with the level of threat and distress that martial arts provides you, you know, in, in safe combat in the, in the, in the, um, in the dojo. There's so many qualities of compassion associated with that process about being able to stay tolerant of your own and others' distress, to read other people, to respond in a way that's not harmful, that's helpful, so to mm-hmm. cause minimum mm-hmm. harm as possible, always with the intention of uh, stopping and alleviating suffering. So, so that's where we would see martial arts as being really, really helpful, not only just in the therapy space, but in life, you know, that idea that, we train in the martial arts not to fight. That's a means to an end. Um, this is a quote from a, a really lovely book by Roy Carman called Karate Beneath the Surface. He says this, he says, you know, the purpose of karate is n- not to learn to fight. That's a means to an end. It's to become a fearlessly compassionate human being. So that's the ultimate. That's the what. This is the way to become a fiercely, courageously compassionate human. How does that link with, oh, that's quite loud. I was going to say, let's link it back to the the core theme of this podcast then. People say karate saved my life, right? All the time we hear people saying that. How does that tie in with the compassion piece? Do you think it's because of that? Do you think there are other things that are going along alongside that? What has been your experience with that kind of sentiment that you hear from people? Ooh, well, I'd, I'd say the short answer to that, I've been thinking about this in a way, and, and the, yeah, the short, punchy answer to that is karate and, and martial arts generally have allowed me to get in touch with things that have caused me significant distress in my life, stay with them and work with them to try and reduce them, and in doing so, that's changed the course of my life. So save my life, no, but certainly shape my life, definitely, without doubt. Um, for me, very briefly, early experiences of watching things like Kung Fu on television when I was a really small kid, you know, the TV series, etc. And this idea that you could have somebody walking around, being around in the world who who were deeply caring about other people and yet would stand up for others in a really effective way as needed, dramatised in a TV show, of course, just awoke something in me which was really powerful. I'd just never seen these two things put together in a way traditional kind of views of masculinity and strength at that point were just about hard men there was no kind of softer or uh, uh, more caring side associated with that <clears throat> so to see those two things put together for me strength within compassion for what this has all been about and, and personally again it's allowed me to get in touch with my own insecurities fears doubts etc um, and work through those through the medium of martial arts as neil says conflict but also resolution in the same space as well it's not just about the conflict that we have in the dojo, the fight, whatever it might be. It's the respect afterwards, what, what we would call the reaffiliation. So, Neil, your thoughts on that? 
Oh, very, very similar. I think, um, I think, um, you know, martial arts has really helped me in life change the way that I deal with struggle and, and pain. I think it, 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 it can give you a fabulous uh, way to change your relationship with pain and suffering because of the embodied compassionate elements, you know, how you deal with struggle, how you persist in the face of very scary and very, very frightening things in a way that's not just about being physically tough. You know, it allows you to, like you were saying, Sid, it's, a, it's allowed me to approach and open to things that are, are quite frightening and quite scary and, and to be able to work with that, tolerate it and find a way through it. And there's so much wrapped in training and about, you know, the whole per- the whole the whole process of training with other people in the midst of a struggle and that affiliation that you get in, in being helped to turn towards things that that are difficult and to be helped through that by other people that you train with and to become a to survive those things and and, and flourish in the face of those things. Um, you know, I always hold on to that idea that. That, that martial arts um, has helped me develop an indomitable spirit, that idea that no matter what happens in life, at a really deep embodied level within me, um, nothing can destroy me. So that's, that's, not, that's not a head thing. That's a, that's a deep body in my guts and heart <laughs> experience that it's given me that in life. So, so no matter what slings and arrows come my way, it doesn't mean they don't hurt, but but that cannot destroy my essence and my spirit. I can survive that and grow and learn from that and, and use that as a strength for myself and for other people. Yeah, if I can do a poor job, but a job nonetheless at summarising what you've all said then, I think what I take away from speaking to you both is that compassion is a difficult thing to do sometimes and it seems like, the key to having skills in life to cultivate resilience, to be able to handle things that come your way and also to thrive is to be able to sit with uncomfortable things and sometimes being compassionate is uncomfortable. Sometimes, you know, sometimes continuing training is uncomfortable. There are all these things, but it seems to come back to how do you as a person manage when things are difficult? And do you lean towards the difficult things and do them straight away and seek them out? Or do you avoid the difficult things? And it just seems like martial arts provides the community, the structure and the way to embody that. How would that be as a summary? That's a very good (laughs) Especially the bit about community as well. This is the thing. I think for us, it's fierce compassion, especially as a coming together thing. Sometimes people ask us about it and ask for papers and things. And we always say, well, you come, you need to come and train with us. We need to actually, you know, lay hands on each other. So it's a sort of, again, it's this idea of going into conflict, there being a struggle with that coming back out, but still staying in a safe space between the two of you that you can reaffiliate and obviously sparring lessons and things where you might move around many partners in a lesson is a really good way of, training with people who might be less skilled than you, way more skilled, and having to keep adjusting all the time to the interaction between the two of you that could cause some kind of hostility or or physical blow, whatever it might be, and managing that in real time, that's the kind of essence of what we're interested in that seems to map so well to some of the processes that go on within psychotherapy as well. 
So you've got this rich dynamic and flow of compassion all the time between people. Um, fierce compassion is just one representation of that, really. What does that look like in terms of the program that you run? I think you've ran one program before COVID kind of stopped everything with practitioners. What, yeah. As a bit of an overview, what did that look like when you were working with um, psychotherapists? So we, uh, I mean, we, we're a really pan-style-driven system. So uh, although Sid and I, you know, we come from, we, we have our specific interest in training within the martial arts. So mine, yeah, mine's Taekwondo, Sid's is Wing Chun. But, I mean, Sid, Sid's trained in a broader range of stuff than me. But we, we sort of try and integrate lots of different principles and different martial arts because in the spirit of doing what works and what's effective. So in the workshops for therapists, um, there's loads of embodied experiential exercise. So we do lots of uh, dynamic and static stance work so that you can you can use that as a way to center yourself before you enter a session. So that includes like how you set your intention. So that might be like um, some kind of salute uh, or getting into a ready stance. And then uh, so imagining setting our intention before we arrive at a session and centering ourselves so that we arrive in a in a, a state of emotional preparedness to engage uh, w- with the motivation to be helpful and not harmful so so we'll take people through some initial stance work and some breathing exercises to get us into that state and then we'll start to use a, a few exercises to make it more dynamic so you know how do we bring how do we stay centered and compassionately responsive when somebody's directing something at us in the therapy space, right? Because the, the therapy, is, the therapy is an act of courage on both parties, right? You, it, both both the people who come, you know, they're being incredibly courageous in exposing themselves and sharing their vulnerabilities. We, we've also got to be able to engage with that and respond in the most helpful way. So we, we have a couple of uh, uh, drills where we'll get people to be perhaps a client who's directing some anger towards you. And instead of responding in an unhelpful way to that, we'll, we'll guide people through some blocks so that they can stay with, absorb what's coming their way and not and not be reactive and roll with that, what, what's sometimes called resistance in psychotherapy. And then once they've been through a sequence of responding to that with, say, some blocks, We'll get them instead of offering a counter attack. We'll get them to embody a, com- a compassionate counter. So to invite them to respond. And once you've once you've been able to do, roll with that resistance. What do you then offer back towards somebody? So it's not an attack. It's it's a compassionate counter. There's lots of ways throughout the the workshop that we that we try and help people embody that and experience that. So it's this process of how do you how do you bring that to then a therapy process? So you get a feeling for what it's like at a really somatic and embodied level. And then how do you transfer that to the therapy space and therapeutic encounters? It's giving you the inner resources to respond in that way in the therapy space. So you take what you learn in the dojo and transfer it to the therapy room. So it's a process that they call somatic metamorphosis. Did you want to add anything? To I was just going to chip in, if only to say, remember, Georgia, as well, for the for the guys that we're working with, the vast majority may have had an interest in martial arts, but many wouldn't have done anything like this at all. 
So to get them to really sit with their own experience of somebody's going to very gently throw a punch at you now or a strike of some sort, you know, you see this look of terror and this, this kind of sitting back within the self that happens, of course, and it's being able to sit with that. You know, how can you more skillfully respond than your just visceral gut reaction to it, your, your kind of untrained response, if you like? So all the time getting people to be mindful if they can about their response. And as Neil says, rather than something that's harmful in reply, we might do something that's a simultaneous block and counter, which uh, redirects the other person's energy, but also halts them in the spot as well. So like a palm strike to the hip or something like that, that roots somebody into the into the floor and then of course we get people to switch around so they not only have to they then have to essentially deliver a strike to someone else or go towards a strike for the other and in psychotherapy process sometimes there is anger from the therapist towards the client as well so we get people to think about okay what would be a more helpful response in terms of that that flow as well the only other things i would add to this as well later on in the workshop we'd normally introduce some kind of heavier striking and again for a lot of people that's really quite powerful. And we'll start bringing in, in a key eye or some kind of shout as well with real intention to hit a pad or whatever it is. I'm sure that speaks to your own experience and the works that you do too. But that really seems to unlock something in a lot of people. Uh, and it's one of the best received elements of the workshop as well. People just really like that. So, so it's, a really nice, it's a really nice way to experiment with the, the power of your compassion. You know, sometimes... Yeah. So key irons are really a really nice way to play with that because you can you can when does it need to be softer and more gentle and when does it need to be that that have that really fierce quality you know it's like it's like Bruce Lee said you know if I'm going to punch I'm going to punch and if you transfer that to compassion you know if you're going to be compassionate sometimes it's got to be full force right yeah, yeah. wow um, I love the not just for psychotherapists, right, for anyone to reflect and think about how often in martial arts are you responding emotionally? And it can be in any martial art, in jiu-jitsu, in like a grappling art as well, not just in a striking art where somebody maybe submits you or somebody, you know, gets one up on you or you feel some hostility coming towards you or you interpret hostility. Maybe there's not even any there. And the gut response just to throw it back at people, but to instead think, you know, how do I either do a redirect or a compassionate response? Which as you were speaking, I was thinking, oh, what would a compassionate response be? I was like, does everyone just block and then hug the other person? Is that usually a <laughs> compassionate response? <laughs> no, and that, that, that's the thing. And we I have suppose, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sometimes. and But it, but it's interesting to invite people to experiment because, because something yeah. – we look at in the workshop and, and certainly within the, the compassion world in, in psychotherapy you know compassion <clears throat> looks very different depending on the context so it it, it really depends it's not always going to be you know it's it looks like a hug <laughs> that sometimes it might be very halting and then you reaffiliate so it, it really depends it really does depend but always with the motivation to do something that's halting of suffering and alleviating them. So it, it may look slightly different and it's an invitation to think about well, what, what's needed in this moment. What is a compassionate response? And rather than getting stuck in our heads to get into the body and be, be guided by the wisdom of what we, we call our compassion itself, you know, how does it, how does it know what to do in this moment? Uh, forgive me for wanting to jump in there just to say that what a lot of this is about feeling safe enough 
while still essentially within contact range. Now you've redirected somebody to somewhere else to then take the time, even if it's only a moment to think, what do I most need to do? What does the other person most need at this point? Do you really get a moment of meeting or uh, moment of meeting or connection together in that in that space? And sometimes with some folk, we've found it's no more than just looking at the other person, just sitting and being together. And it sort of dissolves some of this conflict that can happen. So it can be something really pro-social and affiliative, a hug, uh, eye contact, a smile, some signal that actually it's okay. You, you don't need to do this. It's okay. And it's, it it's reminds me of, just sorry, Sid, to jump in as well. It just, and I've experienced that in therapeutic encounters. You know, it's that principle of if, it, you know, I won't fight you, but I, but I will, I will, uh, I will respond to your fear with compassion right so i can be with you in this i I can i can i can be with this and i'm not going to fight you i i am going to i'm going to help you right i'm not going to respond with hostility in the way that part of you expects me to i'm going to i'm still here after you've directed all of this to me and then that that can drop away but you have to you have to be able to stay there and absorb a lot in in a way that doesn't that doesn't it doesn't destroy you either or the other. So it, it gives you that ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think to be able to apply that moment, to be able to say, you know, we're in this close space and it feels like you need to give an instantaneous reaction because it feels like stakes are high or whatever that might be. And you can translate that into your everyday life and think, you know, at home in the house where somebody fires off a snarky comment because they've had a bad day and you instantly fire off an even nastier comment straight back because you're in default responsive mode and how well, you know, even I, I know a lot of martial artists and I wonder how many of us, we get good at it, but how often do we practice it too? I think it's great to have these conversations and think, you know, I have all these great skills. Am I using them all the time? Am I, am I being in that martial way in my, in my real, in, in quotation marks, life, you know? Or, yeah. And also am I stepping on the mat when I step into my treatment room or when I step into my house? You know, I bow when I step onto the mat and I really embody a very respectful person. Well, can I bow when I step into my kitchen or into, you know, where everybody else is in the house or into my office or wherever it might be and then choose to become a more respectful, responsive person? It's just like, yes, that's what you guys are saying, right? Yeah, 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 that's it in a yeah. nutshell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautifully put. You, you, you're better at this than we are. Yeah, that's that's really well put. It takes us, like Neil was saying about motivations, it takes you from a different mindset into one where we're going to have conflict and some kind of threat. Now you're going to hurt me, and I'm going to hurt you back. And then it can take us into something where more we're going to compete. Then who's the more skillful? But really, we want to shift from that into something that's much more about how can we be collaborative. And you can still do that in a very martial way. You can train really hard to each other. And the idea that you're helping improve each other. And we've talked about this so many times. The best martial artists we've seen, not just in terms of their skill, but the most rounded martial artists seem to embody all of that. They can go up and down through those gears when they need to. But their default seems to be with years of training. Somebody that's, again, yeah, there's less of a separation between their martial self and their other self. It comes together much, much more. Um, and as Neil said at the top, you know, the kind of Cayman book, that's, that's where we're headed with this. Just trying to reduce the separation between my therapist self, my martial self and my other self. Just trying to get more kind of triangulation between the three of those. 
to be more integrated that's the thing that you know martial arts is a lovely quote from a a really classic aikido book uh by westbrook and ratty i think it's from the 70s brilliant brilliant book and they start off by saying you know aikido is a discipline of coordination and integration you're integrating body and mind And and that includes those reducing that separation between our our different selves so that we bring more of our martial self into different domains of our life. So, yeah, it's a, a nice discipline of coordination and integration. Yeah, absolutely. I think Sid really summed it up in that one phrase, like, what do I need in this moment? Because even if you put keep the emphasis on yourself, if you think, what do I need in this moment, if you're the much better opponent, you know, if you're fighting with someone who's at a lesser experience with, do you need to win in this moment? Does that help you in any way? Well, maybe am I going to get more out of teaching them and reframing what I'm doing in a way where they can see what the strategy is? And then if it goes the other way, if I'm the much lesser opponent, well, am I? what do I need in this moment? Am I going to get anything from really jumping up to trying to jump up to their level and probably then getting hurt? And the same thing when we jump to a competitive nature in our day-to-day interactions. Do I win if I win the argument? What do I win by accomplishing that? And I think taking like that, being able to take that moment to say, what do I need right now is just so, so powerful. And it's something people listening can really take away. And even if you practice it a little bit and then forget all about this podcast, then maybe when you go to training, you'll you'll notice it more at training. And then again, like we said, become a more integrated person where you notice it at least at training and then can start to apply it otherworldly. And that question really gets us to, like you beautifully said, Georgia, that the, the need bit it gets us more towards a win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. In, a, in, a, in a real fight, everyone loses. I've heard that so many times from so many really good people I've come across and trained with over the years. Everybody says you don't win with violence, aggression. You know, everybody suffers. You might feel you've won in the short term, but you really haven't. There's a cost to this. So the fierce martial arts stuff is engaging with the motivation to want to keep yourself safe, but also extend that to wanting genuinely to keep the other person safe, too. And in conveying that to them, what that then allows them to do is they begin to stand down and feel that they don't need to continue this hostility. And that's where you get this moment, as I said, of what do we both need? How are we going to work through this? And that's really what compassion is. We're just bringing the fierceness to it in the arena at which you might do that when it can feel probably most needed, most scary. You know, um, as, as we know, fighting's hard. It's scary. It's tough. It's difficult for loads of different reasons. Um, and it, it should be a challenge sometimes too. So we're trying to harness all of that, and I know that's a lot, and we're trying to do that in a short series of workshops, ideally for therapists, but there's no reason in principle that given enough development time, this can't also be rolled out for um, probably initially client anger uh, or certainly members of the general public as well, and not anger management as such, but ways in which we engage with anger more skillfully. So there's lots of ways that this could go. Um, therapists are... A ready audience for us we're, we're very interested in that world and we think our conversations with folk over the last few years have shown that there is a real appetite for this kind of training we think as well and certainly georgia yeah. i know your interest in trauma-informed martial arts i, I think there's a, this is a really fruitful avenue for people who've experienced interpersonal trauma not without its challenges but i think this this can give people uh, you know a really 
loads of internal resources um, to to heal from interpersonal trauma. So, mm. but we're, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All of that research is sort of to come. But I think, you know, some of the things that I've just learned from speaking to you previously and today is just we don't think enough how difficult it is to be a therapist and the kind of skills that you need to have and that, you know, for anyone going to therapy that you're, you're working with another human too and that they're having struggles too and, you know, which is kind of throwing things at people really a lot of the time. And I think that the work that you're doing therefore is incredibly powerful. But then also I think even on this show we talk a lot about how martial arts translates to life and I think you guys really bring another perspective to that which again is really important for people and I think that like I said that what do I need right now those moments of pause pausing before stepping on the mat stepping into a space and pausing before taking a response are just really critical life skills that you're both leading the way in helping people develop through martial arts training it's fantastic how do you I was going to Go say, on. Sorry. <laughs> make sure you talk about yourselves. How do people get onto um, your next workshop? I know it's very difficult over there with the pandemic and everything, but what are the plans? Will there be online versions, anything like that? Well, as it stands, um, uh, it, it really depends on what happens with lockdown. Um, mm. But if, if it all sort of uh, goes to plan over here, which is sort of end of June, um, we are hoping uh, in October at the annual International Compassion Focused Therapy Conference, uh, which will be in Edinburgh this year if it goes ahead, to be running a workshop there. Um, it'll be a blended workshop with some lovely people who um, are embodied yoga practitioners as well. So it will blend martial arts and yoga, particularly to think about harnessing and developing therapist courage. Um, but after that, um, there is, I can't give you any dates yet because of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. But we are we are planning to have a two day workshop uh, in in Bristol in the not too distant future. So that will probably be either the end of the year or early next year, maybe towards spring. Um, so that you can you can keep an keep an eye on that by going to our website, which is www.fiercecompassionmartialarts.com, um, and we'll will be posting uh, training dates there so if you if you want to check that out and keep an eye on that you can um sid and i normally uh, occasionally put out a bit of a newsletter as well so if you sign up to our to our mailing list on the website um you, you can find out that way we, you know, we'll send out a, a, a frequent newsletter where we're at the baby for that dates and training so um, yeah check that out if that's good yeah, perfect. We'll put all the details to that in the show notes so people can click through, get onto the mailing list if they are interested in that kind of work. And then otherwise, you know, who knows what the one day long, long future will hold. I'm sure there's people from overseas that are very interested in this. So when people can travel for professional development, I'm sure there'll be huge interest in doing your programs. But um, it has been my absolute pleasure to have you both on the show. I've learned so much. And I think this is a really useful resource as an episode for people that they can you know, dive right into a skills to start practicing even without having done your program just as yet. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Georgia. Our honour and Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? 
I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. shapes me but me don't gotta tell you what my name is i don't gotta explain it walk in the room hear a boom erupting like i'm famous i'm here shedding shells i'm shameless half in nothing no complacence to many tight ropes with no hope so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders you don't need to know my history I move boulders atlas shrug cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders no pretense of defense move first like chess soldiers this goes deeper than empowerment cause huh, I'm the one that power it physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring if i can't change the scenery at least i change perspectives no longer isolated but elevated and selective darkest places become beautiful spaces this is where rage meets patience meets power meets gracious meets we're so glad you came in the feeling is contagious when you the walking impact of intended bad intentions when you the manifest enough collecting all they tensions you the soul and body hold it all and still remember but i'm a work in progress testament to all contenders forgot what it was like to have control over self forgot what it was like to be the one in charge forgot in my reflection i could see all my wealth forgot that with my bare hands i break all these bars barriers and obstacles they can't cage me they can't chronicle all my experiences and reduce them to appearances when i was truly beaten gave myself clearances to fall down mess up and get myself back up i'm not looking for clovers because i don't believe in luck damn you were badass i heard them say it clearly why thank you very much i know now i'm not weary of what's next for me because i expect to see growth like i was planted watered fed and bloomed to be the positivity and accountability Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin Boundaries, I know them well, take a breath and meditate Who is she? I know her well, now I get to open gates One, two, one, two, I don't need your permission And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition To know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing And everything I do, that's me making decisions It's truly underrated, the value of self-worth Forgot that I was rich from the moment of my birth A penny for my thoughts, no really, you can't afford it You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it, huh?